Hello and welcome to another Guildhall School Events podcast. Today I'm joined by John Salim Abdamuna in advance of his recital at the Wigmore Hall on the 29th of June. The Guildhall Wigmore Recital Prize annually awards an exceptional Guildhall School musician with a Wigmore Hall recital, so that would be you, John Salim, um, who is with us today. Uh, so first of all, congratulations um, on being awarded the Guildhall Wigmore Recital Prize. So tell me a bit about the process that you had to go to to get to be selected for this. Did you have several rounds where you prepared different pieces or was it just one one audition and a big panel of people? What, what was it like? What did you have to do? It was uh, in one round uh, and it happened at uh, Wigmore Hall. And yeah, I had to prepare three pieces, uh, some Bach, some uh, Debussy, and uh, some Chopin. Okay, and that that reflects what you're playing. Did you y- yeah, did you play those ones, or is this a different set that you're playing in the recital? Um, I think it was different to Debussy, but no, it was it was similar to some of what uh, I will play at the recital. Ah, brilliant! Um, so, getting to perform at the Wigmore Hall must be pretty exciting. Have you ever performed there before? Um, I have, but not in the, the same kind of uh, setup. I've never performed like a full uh, evening recital. Uh, so, yeah, it will be uh, a first time for me. But uh, I've already had the, the wonderful opportunity to, to play uh, some shorter concerts and also some chamber music. And, uh, yeah, so I have a sense of, uh, uh, of what it will be like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so you've got a variety of works on your programme, ranging from technically challenging like Baroque classics like the Bach, Prelude and Fugue, um, but also ranges to the beautifully but obviously equally challenging Chopin um, ballad. Is it ballad or ballad? Where my it French is good. pretty terrible. Uh, you could uh, you should try it in Polish. <laughs> <laughs> that you're going to play was there any kind of artistic reasoning behind what you chose or yeah it was quite uh, obvious to me because uh, it's pieces I've been playing quite a lot in the past mm. and uh, yeah I wanted to make sure that uh, you know I don't uh, program a piece that uh, I should uh, learn for the, uh, specifically for, for this occasion and uh, and yeah also I wanted something quite uh, diverse Mm. and with uh, different um, uh, times uh, for, from the composers. Did the venue kind of affect the pieces that you chose? Did you think of what you know might sound great in the kind of acoustic that Wigmore Hall has? Or Yeah, it's an intimate hall. So perhaps if the recital was in a place like a Royal Festival Hall, then I, I would have gone for perhaps a bit more sound mm. uh, I think uh, both Bach and Debussy um, are in the soft range but within this soft range of course there are thousands of different colours of course I mean the the pieces that you've chosen span I don't know 200 years of keyboard playing I guess and do you find it difficult to switch between the pieces you know do you, or you know, oh, I don't know how to describe it, but like, do you have to be in a certain mindset to play Chopin, and then you, then when you stop playing the Chopin and go to Bach, do you kind of 
think, oh, I need to play a bit differently or I need to think a bit differently. I mean, it may not be like that at all. I mean, I'm, I'm not a pianist. <laughs> yeah, I think the reason why um, we pianists and other instrumentalists, especially singers who have uh, so many little songs and it goes from a world to a different world uh, all the time, I think the reason we, we practice is to forget about about these uh, issues of um, adapting suddenly. It's uh, ideally it should be all within within us, mm-hmm. and then uh, we don't need to to worry about uh, external factors and just uh, let it flow out of ourselves. I also see on the program that you'll be playing something that you've composed yourself. Yeah, it's been already a while, uh, in 2012. It's, uh, I think, one of the... Uh, I wrote quite a bit for piano, but uh, all of it I threw away except uh, this piece. Is that because you uh, didn't didn't like it, or...? You mean the other music? The other music you threw yeah. away. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm not sure I like my, my piece, uh, neither. <laughs> but uh, it depends on, on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you spend a lot of hours composing things, I think sometimes, like, I don't know, when... I was studying at university. I used to hate my essays by the end. You know, it's like, don't want to see it. What I've written is terrible. So I, I think yeah. you get attached to what you write and place expectations on yourself and things. No, you're absolutely right. And, and actually, I said that perhaps I don't like my piece, but we, yeah, we lose all kind of objectivity because when you write an essay, you reread what you write until it... Uh, You, you get lost uh, into it. And composition, uh, if I write one bar before uh, composing the second bar, uh, I will have listened in my head a hundred times to the first bar. And then uh, I lose uh, a lot of uh, freshness. So it's a yeah, very difficult uh, process. Usually it takes me um, quite, quite a bit of time to be able to see, it, to see my piece and judge it with uh, fresh uh, eyes. And, and also it depends so much on the, on the mood and on the confidence. Uh, yeah, I remember so some, some days within one hour I can go from a state where I think that what I have composed is crap to, uh, to thinking that it's a masterwork. And um, yeah, it's, it's incredible how these subjective things are actually subjective. I mean, you're definitely not the first composer to do that. I mean, I think... I think Sibelius destroyed loads of his compositions, so you're definitely not the first person to feel like, oh... <laughs> yeah, but uh, it doesn't mean that uh, it's the same quality than Sibelius, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, when I said uh, threw away, I didn't say where I threw it away. It wasn't actually in the bin. It oh, good. In, uh, but still, uh, it doesn't mean I'm going to uh, take it out. Well, definitely, that means 100 to 200 years in the future. You never know. People might be pulling your works out and saying, great, like, I'm so glad he didn't chuck it in the fire. No, or... I'm certainly not uh, thinking about these uh, <laughs> fantasies. Um, so, I mean, do you find that anybody's in particular has in- influenced your compositions? Um, I mean, the, the title, Variations, uh, what was it, Variations Fantoms? Variations Fantoms. Yeah. yeah, I'm not even going to try to pronounce yeah, it as good, beautifully as you do. <laughs> Um, I mean, I suppose variations can take many guises, but um, I suppose off the top of my head, I was thinking like, you know, Schumann and variations like that. Is there any any composers who have influenced you in particular in your composition? Or yeah, I mean, 
Of course, of course. But uh, if we not compose, it's uh, the result of uh, uh, incredibly complex butterfly uh, effect. So, yeah, I think probably when people listen to my music, yeah, they would uh, think that it sounds quite French, you know, from the French school of uh, post-Debussy. Yeah. Or post-post-Debussy. And... Um, Yeah, but I'm inspired by other music I play, of course. But uh, it's impossible for me to tell you in what uh, extent. Oh, no. And I'm probably the, the worst person to answer this question. You should ask uh, somebody who, have, who has more uh, of an objective view, external view. <laughs> like my teacher, Julian Anderson. People often talk to me about the way in which they prepare their recitals, that they you know, start with something, not easy, but something to kind of introduce the audience to a concert and or that they finish with a big virtuosic flourish or, you know, did are any of the orders of your recital kind of based around that kind of thing that you've chosen particular things to go in particular places or, yeah. or not that at all? No, I think the choice of a programme is... Uh, uh, it's more the... Uh, a trust which comes from the sensitivity rather than a big, uh, you know, intellectual. Yeah. I couldn't write an essay about uh, why I would start with Bach, but um, I think the Bach is a yeah, is a good um, good start which uh, makes the, the audience focus. Hopefully, of course, it all depends on how I play. Uh, there are as many uh, periods. Uh, by Bach's uh, performances of, of them. This is a bit more personal to me, I guess. Um, I mean, my I used to play piano mm. a really long time ago. <laughs> I don't profess to be any good at all. But my, my piano teacher always used to berate me for, like, over-practicing the sections that I couldn't do. And then... Mm. You, then I lost the kind of musicality and, 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 you know, the real feeling that went into playing. Do, do you ever find that if you're practicing, you know, for many hours in a day or, or preparing for a recital that you've ever over-practiced something or, or that you've had to kind of take measures to try and get the musicality back into it? And how, how have you kind of gone about that? if that's what's happened to you? No, it's really definitely an interesting question. And, uh, yeah, of course, uh, I know what of uh, practicing feels like. But it's not only a question of uh, quality, it's more the, uh, of quantity, it's more the, the mindset mm. that you, you practice with. And there is always a danger, especially when you, you start feeling some pressure to, to practice in a defensive way in order to avoid something to, to happen. And that's very unhealthy. And um, and it requires uh, yeah a lot of awareness to to know when practice is uh, is healthy and when it's not and um, yeah ideally I think we should always practice um, the same way which is in a very calm and uh, and yeah and not get uh, neurotic about it mm. because uh, that can lead to catastrophes <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, do you do you ever find that you get nervous or anxious before a performance or during a performance, or do you always find yourself in a zen-like calm? No, 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 of course not. Uh, yeah, it, it's a very big but fascinating challenge. The, 
mental mental uh, aspect of uh, playing and um, yeah I'm always uh, looking for answers and uh, new questions I don't have uh, any kind of uh, routine but uh, but it it's not so so bad to be nervous mm. um, uh, yeah I've been thinking a lot and I don't think that the amount of nerves uh, is related to the quality of my performance Uh, but what matters is to master this uh, this nerves. Yeah. There was this uh, pilot uh, who uh, made he, his plane land on the Hudson River in New York and uh, saved a lot of uh, lives uh, doing so because uh, the plane had some some trouble. And uh, and then there was journalist who said, "How did you manage not to be nervous?" And he replied, uh, "I was incredibly nervous." And I, I think this is the um, Yeah, the great thing about it, it's not about not being nervous, it's about being able to to deal uh, with uh, ourselves. Because mm. um, I suppose the the adrenaline that you you get through nerves, you know, that actually can help give a really quite you know great emotional performance as well. You know, so. It's of not course. about magic solutions necessarily, like eating bananas. They say sometimes can make you less stressed or anxious. No, of course, I don't think there is any magic uh, formula. Coming from Switzerland, and of course, I'm a big fan of tennis with uh, two wonderful players. And when you watch uh, a match on the TV, you you see that uh, often the best points, the best rallies, happen to. Uh, to be when when it really matters, or on a breakpoint, mm. or on a set point, and uh, not always, but then you can see that this adrenaline you're talking about uh, doesn't only have um, a bad effects. So, how do you feel like the Guildhall has helped you um, during your time here to kind of advance as a musician? What makes a, a school? It's uh, the people who work in it. Uh, students, uh, teachers, uh, members of, of staff like you. And um, yeah, I'm especially grateful to my teacher, Rondon Hoa, who helped me to, to grow as a musician and to, to get uh, closer to my potential. And, uh, and yeah, this school is really full of uh, really great uh, talents, also among the students. And uh, I've been able to do really great chamber music with uh, some of my colleagues here. And uh, yeah, I think this school is really special uh, with the, the quality of uh, the people they hire. And uh, yeah, I've been so lucky to to play uh, not only to, to my teacher, but also other people like uh, Caroline Palmer, Charles Owen. And uh, yeah, this was really uh, helpful for my development. Brilliant. Thank you so much for coming and taking the time to speak to me. Um, Jean-Salim Abedemula will be at the Wigmore Hall on Monday the 29th of June at 7.30pm. Tickets are on sale from the Wigmore Hall box office and for more details you can always visit www.gsmd.ac.uk forward slash events if you'd like to book tickets or find out more information.